In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me and are so far from my cry and from the words of my distress? Psalm 21, verse 1. Jesus cries out from the cross. Imagine the agony, the distress, as he's betrayed on all sides by his disciples who don't understand him even now, by his friends Judas, who has handed him over to the chief priests, and Peter, who denied him three times, and by his father as he hangs, bleeding and breathless, dying to save us. Jesus is quoting from a psalm he would have memorized as a young boy. It foretells his suffering. My mouth is dried out like a pot shirt. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Packs of dogs close in on me and gangs of evildoers circle around me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They cast lots for my clothing. Psalm 22 verses 15 to 17. The sacred song as we read through it changes its mood. As we draw to the final verses, it becomes a hymn of praise. In the depths of despair, at the end of the line, with nowhere else to turn, there is our awesome God waiting for us to surrender. And before you say it, Jesus looked as though he was being let down on all counts to our human eyes. But remember what happens when it is finished. God has so much more in store for us than we could possibly imagine. We have no choice but to empty ourselves. Then we will be transformed. Enter that grace-filled place prepared for us by Jesus' death and live a new life. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall bow before him. For kingship belongs to the Lord. My soul shall live for him. My descendants shall serve him. Psalm 22, verses 26 to 29. What a gift. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm going to be bringing you a show filled with homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God has played a prominent part this Holy Week as we approach the resurrection. But first, Good Fridayness, which is today. With all that's going on in our house, I'm taking one hour at a time, and this one's for you. Each week, I encourage a member of the public to join me for part of the show. I offer them tweeting opportunities and other social media goodies, and they come willingly to talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. Joining me this week is Matt Rothacre, who is probably busier than I am with his upcoming project, and I'm going to let him tell you all about it in a minute or two. When I have a chance... I'm going to be yabbering on about hot cross buns, eggs, and Easter legends, and Matt's going to be keeping us smiling as we commemorate the Lord's Passion and celebrate the good news it brings. So pick up your cuppa. I've had one of those sticky buns called hot cross buns already this week, or this morning, actually. Carry it over to your computer, and let's enjoy 60 short Good Friday minutes together. 
As I've just said, I've got Matt Rothacre with me this week. Always good to welcome a homeschooling dad to change perspectives up a bit. He's in love with his best friend and wife, Julie, and adores being daddy to his three children who keep him anchored wherever his crazy life takes him. Matt's been ministering as a full-time youth pastor in Arkansas for the past 11 years and thought he was going to be doing that forever. But we all know God likes to rattle chains and coax us out of our comfort zones in an effort to better know his will for us and make some suggestions, perhaps, as to how we can make a difference in his world. Matt's a strong leader. Not a better one, he says. He just put his hand up first when God called. With his passion for the word, addiction to, ooh, diet, coke, brownies, pizza, and McDonald's, where he offices, Matt has a story worthy of today. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, good. It's lovely to have you here with me this afternoon. And um, we could jump straight into your uh, jail experience. Um, yeah. Do you think you can do that? Because I know that kind of ties in with what's going on in your life right now. So let's go back to that. Because when I interviewed your wife, she said, well, my husband just got out of jail. And I went, hang <laughs> on, this is a story. So tell us the story. Yeah. Um, we, uh, uh, I guess, November of 2011, God just... Um, laid on our heart just a restlessness probably something i wrestled with since um the easter before that and um we just felt very clearly we were supposed to step out follow him and plant a church and so we began looking at what that looked like and um uh, i really god said plant a church i didn't know what to do um how you did that i had one friend um at the baptist state convention that did that and i made a phone call and that's pretty much the um, extent of my obedience and just kind of held on for the ride um mm -hmm. Church planning doesn't pay very well, and so uh, at least not initially, and um, it's not really why you do it anyway. But so about um, October of last year, we realized our family didn't have enough savings that was going to last us until um, the following Easter when we gave it a shot to start the church, and so. Had a friend that's a chaplain um, at the Tucker Prison Unit in Arkansas, and um, he said they always need security. And uh, I'm like, okay, that's wow. I never thought I'd go to work in jail, but um, so they, I uh, took a job there and um, did six weeks at the training academy uh -huh. uh, where they teach you how to uh, deal with inmates and how to how the prison system works and. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough job. And, mm -hmm. uh, there's a, there's a pretty high turnover rate involved in all that. But, um, for me, it was a big deal. Um, when I got in there, I had a, that, that previous year, the Lord had just really laid on my heart that, um, I think a lot of times we, we like to blame what we believe is our spiritual gift for not doing some of the other things God mm -hmm. commands us to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was always really quick to, to, say, Oh, I'm not, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't, I don't do that well. And, um, and the Lord just really showed me that that was just a big disguise. And so, mm -hmm. um, as I began to pray through that and look at what that looked like, I, I unfortunately felt very handicapped by my ministry position. Mm -hmm. Um, just wasn't a place that I felt like I had options or opportunities to go to the places and have friends that were lost. I mean, I know there's, there's lost folks that are at McDonald's and at the grocery store and things like that. But mm -hmm. I also felt like it was awful difficult to just catch somebody in the cereal aisle and, and be like, if you're going to die right now, if all these shelves fell on you, where would you go? I didn't think that was necessarily the most 
um, effective way to uh-huh. introduce people to Jesus. And um, and so the more I thought through it and studied it, I really just I felt handicapped by that ministry. Um, just because if you if you're going to honestly, if we're being honest in the Bible Belt here, if we're going to go to a bar to try to reach people and you just get a soda and you sit there and you talk to folks that are hurting. All your church saw was that you went to the bar every Friday night and yeah. you're going to sit before the deacons really quick and probably mm-hmm. be out of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I went to the academy, it was, um, I mean, I've been in ministry full time for over a decade. And so it was the most pagan place I'd encountered in a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, yeah, just normal. It was like living in an R-rated movie. Just everything, the language, the the subjects, everything was kind of that way. The violence, we had to watch things on videos to prepare us for going to work in prison. And mm. um, so for me, it was it was actually a blessing in disguise. I really had the opportunity to um, not not test theories, but to to watch the the path of evangelism. And I felt like the Lord was leading us towards to just play out and. Um, mm-hmm. And rather than rather than attacking lost people face on to just um, to be present and to let your position be known, but at the same time to just be there, love them, um, interact with them as normal people um, without feeling like every opportunity you have to pull a Bible track out on the table and try to walk them through it or draw a bridge illustration on a napkin. Not not that that's not effective, but um, for me, it, it wasn't that way. And I had a friend named George who uh, was going to work at another unit. And he was 53, 54. He was the oldest guy in our class, I think. And he, um, I just, I told him day one, he knew he was in it for two years till he could retire. And I told him, well, I, I win. I'm in it for three months and until January. And then I, I get to leave. And, and that intrigued him. And so he began to ask questions. And I told him, you know, what we were going to do and the church start we were doing in Bologna and how that I was just here to, to pay the bills and um, to hang out. And so I didn't, we didn't bring it up a bunch after that. I didn't cram it down his throat. We just enjoyed life. I enjoyed him, uh, mm-hmm. made jokes and, and hung out and we laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. And on the last day of the Academy, he sat across from me at lunch and said, I said, brother, I'm going to miss you. So well, I miss you too, George. And, um, he, I said, you're going to have to come visit me um, sometime. And he said, as a matter of fact, I was talking to my sister about how we needed to come and, and visit your church and hear mm-hmm. what you have to say. And so I, I just, for me, it verified a lot of things that, yeah. one, Jesus is just going to come up in your life if you're hungry and passionately following him. Yeah. Um, so it, I think that takes a little bit of the stress off of trying yeah. to formulate some type of evangelical ambush on people. Um yeah. And then, um, two, lost people know where Christians stand, so we don't have to remind them um, of their sinfulness. They they know, um, just like Jesus, when he went to those parties, he didn't have to, being at that party wasn't um, verifying or validating that they were doing things okay. They knew he didn't approve of where they were and what they lived, but it, it said he loved them. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I think that was a, a really eye-opening thing for me. Um, so I managed to survive three months of jail and not got, didn't get shanked. And that was, that was my goal was to, to leave alive. That's a good day if you go home alive. Yeah. Um, I'm going to interrupt you just, just for a sec here yeah. because I have, uh, you know, most of us have not been ever inside a jail. Yeah. And I know you said that it was a secular pagan place and like living in an R-rated movie. Is there anything like in my everyday life or your family's everyday life that could prepare you for what, what was behind those walls in a, in a jail? Um, I think it's a... Prison's a, a constant reminder of the brokenness and sinfulness of humanity. Um, mm-hmm. I think children are too. 
Um, you don't have to like my little girl wasn't taught to disobey. You know, like, I didn't have to teach my son how to hit or bite. Like they just, they we're, know just how. Born, we're just born broken. Yeah. They, they yeah. have a wicked little heart and they need Jesus. And so yeah. um, our goal is to introduce him. Yeah. 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 And uh, you said that there was still some sort of religious jargon going on that kind of surprised you like they go amen you know to something and but not think anything of it but right well or they or they've we've diluted jesus down to the place where we can fit him in into our selfish sinful living um where he's just another component i think yeah we it was amazing to me now granted we live in the heart of the bible belt so church culture is very um prevalent yeah we have to go on a quick break we'll be right back that okay How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest, such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Okay, well, at the beginning of the show, I was talking about surrender and how when you can completely surrender, you know, just, I don't know, that feeling of just having everything taken from you completely and utterly and you're in this completely new place that your life becomes transformed. How did you surrender? How do you live out Jesus's last words from the cross into your hands? I commend my spirit as he talks to his father and dies. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, I think for us, that's just been, um, one, it comes from having, having a good picture of who God is. Um, otherwise it makes it very difficult to want to do that, especially in a culture that, um, says what you want is what's important and that kind of we're the center of the universe. Um, but lets you down and doesn't keep promises uh, and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, I think ultimately it helps to know that God is ultimately for God. Um, like the 23rd Psalm, you know, he says, uh, for the sake of, for my name's sake. Paul tells us in the opening part of Romans that it's for the sake of his name among all nations that Jesus came. Um, it's it's to bring glory to himself, That's um, which is good. We want him glorying in him, not in me or somebody else. That's um, that's good. Um, and what's good about that is, is that frees us up. Um, as his creation to make much of him. That's, that's the idea. Um, so I mean, he is for us. He's, he, he loves us. He obviously came and, and paid the, the ultimate price for our salvation. Um, all of that, but, but above all of that, that overarching motivation is so that we will glorify him. Um, yes. and that's, that's good news. Um, because if, if overarching he's for himself, that frees us up to be about him. And what that means is he's, he's not after my begrudging submission. He's, he's not after my, um, forced obedience. He's not looking, he's not the picture we see, um, people paint sometimes of the God that's up there constantly disappointed or the up there with a stick waiting to, to thump you and, and to damn you to hell. Um, any chance he can get, that's not the good picture. Um, cause ultimately he wants us to delight and rejoice in him and therefore bring glory to him. And so, um, Jesus tells us he's given us these commandments for our joy, for the fullness of our joy. And so I think when we see that God is for God and that is a good thing for us, because that means He's after us to delight and rejoice in him. Um, it makes it a lot easier to surrender and trust that that God um, rather than the one that we feel like is possibly withholding good from us. Because um, mm. then the commands this way, when we see it in the, the picture that it is, um, his commands are not to withhold things from us, but they're how it works best. So marriage is is how it works best, the relationship between a a husband and wife, um, or sex is best in that realm. Like it's Mm -hmm. just how the universe is wired together by the, the deity that created it. And that's, um, that's, that's good news. Um, and so for me, that's makes, it takes all the pressure off of me. Um, if ultimately he's, he's about my joy, he's about my good, then giving everything to him, um, is easier. Um, it's cause it's not about me and it's ultimately, um, up to him. That's where we see that two things. One Romans eight tells us that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That's, that's comforting because that means he's not up there constantly being disappointed by my failures. That's, that's comforting for me because that means Jesus wasn't looking down today going, if I had known, what Matt was like, I don't, I think I'd have reconsidered the whole good Friday cross deal. Like that's, yeah. that's comforting. Um, that that's not how he views it. And yeah. So, so the fact that we have free will, yeah. um, 
sometimes is worrying to some people because they think, well, how do I know? And it kind of polaxes them. And so they end up not doing anything because they don't really know whether, you know, what is God's will. But then as parents, we look at our children, we try to give them a certain amount of freedom. But then we tend to go, well, that's not what I would have decided. And you kind of take it out on them. But God isn't like that. He really does allow us to have our free will. He really and he's there if we make a mistake and we turn to him and say, oh, I goofed up, help. And, you know, we can work through that and learn from it. Absolutely. And I think that that's a good picture of God as well. Like his commands are there. I would I would be a terrible parent if I let my children play in the street and just cross my fingers from the porch and hope mm-hmm. that they were able to dodge the cars. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, the, the law and, and his guidance that he's given us, um, we look at it as, as just him being stingy and oppressive, but in reality, it, it's, it is out of love and out of mm-hmm. kindness. I mean, that's, it's his, it's also, I mean, his discipline and kindness that leads us to, um, repentance and, and leads us to push further and deeper back into him. Um, so I think for us that, um, ultimately too, it's just a, I think when you follow Jesus, not just you're, you go to work at a church, but for us vocationally and in, in terms of location, like what we did and where we did it, we always just kind of held very loosely um, to wherever God wanted to take us. We always said we moved to retire there, and, um, and then if God decided to change that plan, um, we would change that plan. So we would go, we would buy a house, we um, you know, all of those kind of things, plant, plant our life there and believe that we were here to serve him until – we retired until he changed the plan. And so, um, sometimes he's lately, he's changed it a lot more. And I, I got frustrated and asked him, Lord, I've taken us to three places in in about three years. It's a little, you know, I I really don't understand why. I know we're willing to move and go and follow you. That's okay. And um, I felt like the response he gave me was that you just never asked to stay somewhere. Um, Uh and so I've been, so whether that's true or not, I'm begging, I'm begging him to let me have 30 years at the Valley and, and yeah. go from there. Yeah. So Matt, as you were growing up, um, your parents, which, did you have this father who was a really good model to help you come to understand God? I did. I do. Yeah. Um, you sounded but, as though you did. That's why I yeah, asked. they, um, they actually have, uh, my father, uh, um, worked for the space program and so we lived in titusville florida until i was i lived there until i was in my 20s and then um early 20s and then uh, about i guess goodness almost probably four years ago my parents uh, my dad retired and they sold their house in florida that they'd lived in for almost 30 years and um moved to arkansas to be grandparents mm-hmm. and um I don't think they realized what the kind of trip they were in for because um, <laughs> they caught us at a time where God was moving us and changing our heart. Yeah. Um, but my, uh, both my dad and my mom are part of our core, um, core team for the, our launch team of the Valley. And so, um, right. he's our, he's our older, oldest member. So I'll yeah. throw him under the bus there, but, um, yeah. um, yeah. And that's, um, that's a blessing. It's a, it's a challenge to try and be your parents' pastor. I never thought that would be something I would be after. Uh, it's not really, but, um, it's definitely a, a challenge, but it's a huge blessing. They bring a lot of spiritual wisdom, um, and maturity. And I did, I had, they, they've been great parents. They taught yeah. me, um, yeah. 
you know, I watched our, um, we yeah. had a brand new priest at our church and his father came for, I suppose it was one of the Easter, his first Easter services. Yeah. And he was sitting in the pews and I was watching him and he was mouthing every word, every chant, every song that his son was doing up there on the altar. And he was just so proud of him. It was yeah. just wonderful. So your dad will be the same. He'll just be bursting, yeah, he, bursting. He told me, uh, that's been one of his slogans lately. It's to remind me how proud he is of me. Um, and, that, and that's, uh, I, I think you could take that for granted sometimes. I, I'm mm-hmm. very, I'm in a small percentage of children that, that get to hear that, unfortunately, yeah. not not enough. Um, yeah. And so um, my, both my parents felt like they their households coming out of that generation didn't say, I love you. Um, mm-hmm. So there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't hear it from yeah. both of them. Um, you know, they, they lined up with their words and then they, they showed it with their, um, with their lives. Yeah. Dad resigned from a job that paid well and, and, took his chances at getting another one so that he didn't have to travel so he could be at home. Um, I'm pretty sure until I was 21, he only was out of pocket for one birthday. Like, so, I mean, that's, um, it's very rare in our culture to, to see that and to be there. So thank God, thank God you're going to pass that on to your children too. I just, well now tell me about, tell me about your church. Tell me about what's going on there. Have you managed to sell your house? We have not. So if you know anybody okay. in Whitehall that would like to buy one. I don't we, believe it's been on the market for so long. It's beautiful, too. It really is. It's a gorgeous house. Um, and God it, has it, other plans for that house, I'll bet. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think in, East, um, in, in what Roman says, all things work together. It's kind of like being up against a stained glass window. We don't necessarily see yeah. um, the plans. I heard uh, um, a guy say one time that Jesus always gives you what you would have asked for had you had all the facts. Um, yeah. The fact that God can stand outside of time and see um, everything that, and how it's going to play out. He yeah. He know, really ultimately is for our joy and our good and does want to see that take place. And we don't always get it. So I know there's a reason that we haven't sold it and there's a family that's going to be blessed by it. And we've been we've been taught a lot of patience and a lot of um, trusting him. And we've been we've been able to show be seen as shown as goodness in other ways. We had a family. Um, our, our house is about an hour and a half from where we are planting a church. And so um, so it's just for up until March, we drove. We drove a couple times a week and um that poor little car that we've put about oh, 16,000 miles on it in six months. And so it's just um, my kids have been in the car a lot. Um, and then we just, in the first part of March, had a blessing from this um, family. And they just said, hey, we have a house here um, close to where you want to be. It's not exactly where you want to be, but it's close. And um, we're paying for it already. So just come live in it. And, um, wow. and so we just, Oh, it's, yeah, it's amazing to see how God, um, has goodness that he desires to pour out on us and, mm-hmm. um, and, and all the ways that he manifests that it's just, um, yeah. All right. So you've just made that move into a new place. Uh, how far away from the church is that? About 30 minutes from the church. Um, Valonia is a little town. Little is, it's getting larger rapidly. Um, Faulkner County, Arkansas is one of the top hundred fastest growing counties in the nation right now. Um, in 2012, I think it was number 71 in, in counties that are over 10,000 people. And, um, we've seen what happened is Little Rock was this big booming place. And so people moved out of Little Rock, um, to a town called Conway, which is where our house is now. And then Conway has exploded in population growth and, um, there's a university there and everything has just kind of gotten larger and larger. And so the people have pushed out further, um, 
from there, and Bologna is one of those places that's pushed out farther from um, from Conway. On the edge of Conway, it's about 15 minutes to Bologna. Um, and so uh, in 2007, I believe, Bologna was in the mid-2000s in population, so around 2,500 people. Um, and now they estimate it between 8 and 10. It's gone mm-hmm. so, grown so fast in the last little while, um, and it's just kind of exploded. So um, what we found was... we have to, Hang on, we have to go on another break but we'll be back in just a moment okay how do you handle toddlers teens and tirades when homeschooling that's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Chances are you didn't give birth to Einstein. So why are you trying to raise your child to be like him? Welcome to Stop Raising Einstein with your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. Woohoo Radio Network's parenting show dedicated to helping you release the myth of the perfect parent and discover the unique brilliance in your child and you. Tara and her panel of amazing, intelligent, and sometimes off-the-wall guests will share the tips, tools, trends and techniques available that will help you stop raising Einstein and start relishing your role as a proud and present parent. Join her every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for Stop Raising Einstein only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Mobile is the future, and the future is now. Listen in each week, Tuesdays, 4 to 5 Central, to Brilliant Mobile Marketing with your host, Mobile Mary, as we simplify the hottest marketing channel, mobile marketing, and share secrets on how you can use mobile to be more brilliant, be more profitable, and have more fun in your industry. Join us each week to learn from brilliant business leaders on how to simply and easily capture a list of raving fans and turn them into loyal customers. This show will help business owners, authors, and speakers realize their own brilliance by tapping into the insights of fellow brilliant business leaders. We will also showcase brilliant tools, both traditional and digital, that will make you more brilliant in everything you do. Don't miss your date with Brilliant Mobile Marketing and your host, Mobile Mary, America's mobile marketing expert, as she shares her success strategies every Tuesday from 4 to 5 Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Matt, I was at church the other day, and our church has a chapel at the back of the main sanctuary. And during this um, whole time before Easter, we've been saying daily mass in the big church. But they're still having evening prayer over in the little chapel. And they have to walk in when they finish with evening prayer, and they walk into the big sanctuary. My husband and I were sitting in the large sanctuary watching the people walk in from the chapel. Now, they've just done an evening prayer, which is like a praise worship service to God. Okay. Every single person 
looked miserable uh, coming in. <laughs> and I looked at my husband and, you know, we looked at each other and we went, why do they look so sad? I mean, if they'd come from a play or a concert or a birthday party or something, chances are they probably would have had smiles on their faces. Yeah. How are you going to make your congregation smile in church? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, do you I, see that? I mean, do you see oh, people yeah, like that? Absolutely. I think that's um, uh, very prevalent where we live. The just um, church is this miserable duty, unfortunately, mm. Mm. Uh, that we are uh, sentenced to. Um, I, I think it goes back to um, we haven't really seen Jesus. We've just bought some religious um, goods. Um, mm-hmm. We... Um, because I, I, truthfully, if you if when you see when you see Jesus truthfully, there's there's really not any going back. I, I don't think that there's any way you can just flip that around and, and be the same. Um, he's he's that magnificent um, that when you can really get your eyes open and see him. Unfortunately, what we've we've shown a lot of people is some tradition and some rules that we have to follow, um, and, and it just goes back to this wrong image of God. But um, the uh, I, my my generation, um, I imagine there's lots of lots of generations, but I see it prevalent in ours, um, especially being in student ministry, where constantly you would have um, graduating classes of students leave the church when they got to college. They'd hang out for a little bit and then disappear, and then um, traditionally they would come back when they had children. They wanted their kids raised in church, and but even now we see that kind of decreasing that that statistic, the number of folks that come back, and so. You have these people that are le- that are growing up in church and doing youth group and doing um, church with their folks, and then they leave and then they wander off. And I think it's because they've they've been taught church and they haven't been shown Jesus. Um, church is just it's a really lame hobby if that's all it is. Like if you're just going because you have to go, it's it's just it's, it's just really lame as far as um, hobbies go. Because there's not a lot of life in it. You're just going and pretending to be religious, and that's I mean, there's that's that's awful. Um, but I think when you see when you really see Jesus, it's different. I think the goal, our goal, is to show people Christ um, and and to show them um, as best a picture as we can. Like the whole Bible is. It's his story. It's less about the the Old Testament isn't necessarily it's it's stories, but they're a part of his story. Like David and Goliath, for example, is um, we like it's been taught that you know if you're you we're David and we go out and if we trust the Lord enough that we could conquer the giants in our lives, and, um, and that's really not how it works. That's that's really putting all the power and motivation in in us. Um, and reality is that we're not David, we're the Israelites. We're we're back in the camp. We we're scared to death of the evil and the giant that's a, and what we need is a mediator that's going to come in between us and that giant that can conquer it. So Jesus is is the greater David. He's the He's the one who's come and conquered death. He's the one that's tackled our giants for us. We we can't look to him and do it. We have to let him do it. We have to just realize that we don't have the power and the ability to do that. Um, and so the whole the whole word is is pointing us to Christ. It's pointing us to what this weekend is all about. Um, and so I think doing our best to see that, I believe the Word of God transforms lives. Um, and so we're really seeking the will of the Lord. I would say ninety to 95% of the will, God's will for your life is found in that book. Um, he desires to, to, for us to go and make disciples, um, of all nations to take his word, his gospel to the ends of the earth. And, um, and that's, 
that's overwhelming when we think about it, but at the same time, it's it's a magnificent possibility to be a part of, um, and it's really a big adventure. I think following Jesus is is exciting. It really is. He's been giving us a quest to save the world. Um, I'm a big superhero fan. I pass that on to my children, um, especially my little boy. He um, he has a Spider-Man costume that we bought him for on sale after Halloween, and he puts that on daily. And then he has a Superman sweatshirt that has a cape, and he has that. And he has more superheroes in his closet, unfortunately, than Elmo. And so um, it's just been a desire I have to, like, share my excitement of, of superheroes. But when I dig into why I'm excited about the hero idea it's that at this the core of who we are that's what god's called us to is this big adventure mm-hmm. if we're really following christ with our lives and we have surrendered our our lives to him then um paul tells us in second corinthians that we are ambassadors of the gospel we're to take the good news to the world um and we're ministers of reconciliation our, our job is to implore people um to be reconciled to god so he's jesus has told us to take take this good news to the world um he's cha- he's charged us to be an ambassador and he's charged us to be a minister of reconciliation and so um that's why those movies, that's why those big epic things connect in the hearts of, of men and, and boys is that it's tapping into what you've been created for. Yeah. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has put eternity in our hearts. So I, and I'm probably, there's probably a little bit of leeway, but I believe at the core of who we are, our souls remember what it's like to be one with God. They remember yeah. what it's like. Um, and there's, that's why when Romans tells us that creation groans, um, and to be made new and to be reconciled, we are we're part of that. Our spirit and our souls long to be restored to to that oneness with God. That's why when I was growing up in the '90s, everybody was calling it the God shaped hole. And whatever you try to cram in your life's not going to fit it because there's a, there's truth to that. It's yeah. it's that you've been separated from God and He's He's calling you back to Himself. Um, and the, so, the, so, so yeah. you've got this you've got this potential brand new congregation. Yeah. who are going to um, come into your church out of curiosity to start with on Sunday, I'm sure, and then you've got to keep them there. Um, so these people, are are they generally de-churched, unchurched? Is this, a, is this the group that you're um, focusing yeah. on? Yes? Yeah, we've, um, yes? Valonia, absolutely. Valonia is about, like I said, 20... It's it's 30 minutes to Conway churches, uh, 30 mm-hmm. to 45 minutes. Um, so we even found some of our core group, um, in fact, the majority of our core group uh, were church attenders other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ones that live in Valonia, some are, some are coming from Conway and moving into Valonia with us. And some mm-hmm. um, we've met and have, have become part of our team that already currently live in Valonia. Mm-hmm. Um, majority of them are looking for a place that is geared at their age bracket, not to not knocking um, different types of churches. Cause you know, I think all churches are needed. I think regardless of whether you're suit and tie and hymns or your um, mass and robes or your t-shirts and jeans and guitars, however it plays out, I think they're all needed. We're all different expression of um, the heart of God. As long as you're making much of Jesus, then uh, I think it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, but there wasn't anything geared for that 
um, untraditional crowd that's out there. And so you had two groups of who I would say you had churched and, and traveling, traveling church people who were driving 30 to 45 minutes away and are just wore out. Yeah. Um, Valonia is a bedroom community that people are still driving Monday through Friday to work in the big cities. So they're, they're tired of driving. And it's just, um, again, it goes back to if church is just this obligatory duty that to get up one more day and drive another, you know, hour and a half round trip is some days just not worth it. Um, and so we found those people and then we have, we found folks that because they didn't want to drive, um, anymore, they love the Lord, but they just, they didn't fit in with one of the churches that were here. They didn't feel like they were welcomed or a part of or whatever. Um, and they've just, um, what we're about and what we're doing is sort of resonated in their heart to be a part of. Um, and so they're coming and they're coming with an excitement and they're bringing their neighbors and, um, yeah. So you're starting with a Sunday service. We are, yeah. And are you going to um, broaden into Bible studies during the week? And- we are, yeah. Um, I, I think um, in America we've we've uh, we view the church in a very Old Testament type of manner. We look at the church as a building, um, kind of like the Jewish people would have of the temple, where we have yeah. to go to the temple to meet with God, or we have to come to the church to to do that. And you hear that and in dialogue all over the place. Oh, you shouldn't say that in church. You can't wear that in church. And, Mm -hmm. um, and reality is the way that the Bible would define the church. It's not a building at all, but it's rather the people. You and I are both a part of the church. If we've surrendered our lives to follow Christ, then we're the bride of Christ. We are the church. Um, and the church meets in a building. Our building was an old dollar general store. Um, I think if you can buy deodorant there or have been able to find Doritos previously, it's probably safe to say it's not a holy place. Um, so, uh, it's just a storefront, and um, and it's not about the building; it's about the people um, and the mission of God. And so, um, we started with Sunday mornings because what Valonia was looking for and what the people there need right away was a place to come and worship um, that that appealed to who they were and appealed to what they are. And it was the easiest way to get the word out that there was people there to, to do that. Um, but ultimately if, if we are all the church and we're all called according to God's purposes, then each one of us is a minister of reconciliation. And so each one of us is a missionary to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Um, and well, so, Matt, we're coming to the um, end of our time together. I've really enjoyed talking to you, but I just want to ask you one quick question. On Easter okay. Sunday, do you hide Easter eggs? We do. Um, okay, so you still probably, do that. Probably not on Easter. We probably won't do it on Easter Sunday this year. Just we've got other things yeah. going. A little busy on Easter Sunday. Um, um, but yeah, my um, my well, we've had Easter eggs in our house. Um, they know um, they know there's not a magical bunny that comes and hides them. Um, I think for us, the we like to have the fun of, of the traditions that we've seen out and about. Um, but at the same time, I don't want there to be any confusion when it comes to Jesus. I don't want them to be able to think that he's make-believe, like Santa yeah. or the Easter. Yeah, yeah, I want, that's right. I want there to be a clear distinction. So um, we painted Easter eggs, you know, yesterday, and um, my little girl's been hiding them for the other kids, and we've put them around the house just um, to have the fun and and enjoyment of those. We have decorations and rabbits and eggs and things like that, but um, they know very much that it's pretend. Okay, well, Matt, um, I've been talking to Matt Rothaker, who shared a really, real, real story with us of how his ordinary family stepped out of their ordinary box and are now living an extraordinary life. 
best of luck on Sunday. I wish you Godspeed this Sunday. And hallelujah, Matt. Thank you so much for being here. Bye. Thanks, sir. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Mobile is the future, and the future is now. Listen in each week, Tuesdays, 4 to 5 Central, to Brilliant Mobile Marketing with your host, Mobile Mary, as we simplify the hottest marketing channel, Mobile Marketing, and share secrets on how you can use mobile to be more brilliant, be more profitable, and have more fun in your industry. Join us each week to learn from brilliant business leaders on how to simply and easily capture a list of raving fans and turn them into loyal customers. This show will help business owners, authors, and speakers realize their own brilliance by tapping into the insights of fellow brilliant business leaders. We will also showcase brilliant tools, both traditional and digital, that will make you more brilliant in everything you do. Don't miss your date with Brilliant Mobile Marketing and your host, Mobile Mary, America's mobile marketing expert, as she shares her success strategies every Tuesday from 4 to 5 Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, that was Matt Rothacre. Go visit their website, The Valley Church is called, and I have a link up on my Tokenet page for you to go there. There's ways to support both him and his family in their ministry, and their church opens its doors on Easter Sunday. What a great time to open it, and I wish them every, every luck. Good luck, every best wish or whatever you say for opening a church. Wonderful, wonderful. And this week has been a really good exercise for me, not a physical exercise, more of a mental one. I'm really tempted to keep thinking ahead to next week because of the big event that we have going on. And it's suddenly only days away. And I catch myself thinking, oh, this time next week, my brother and his sons will be arriving or I'll be at the rehearsal dinner or I'll be a mother-in-law. And I have to tell myself to be still and focus and to be 
be present because this week is important too. It isn't to be brushed aside casually by looking forward. This is Holy Week and it commemorates the highlight of our faith as Christians, marking our salvation story as we reenact the final days of Christ at Masses. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday and Holy Saturday. And this is a very favorite time in our house for us, all of us, young adults included, and when they were children, they loved it too. And I actually prefer this time um, to Christmas because although secularism pops up its head, sometimes it's not quite so glaringly obvious as it is at Christmas. And so I'm living in the moment and the moment is Good Friday and Good Friday needs hot cross buns. The ones I make aren't nearly as good as those found in bakeries around England. And I did manage to resist the urge this morning to get out the bread machine and my blue eyed cowboy trotted off to Central Markets, Tom Thumb, Whole Foods somewhere. And he got a couple of dozen hot cross buns while I was meditating. They keep really well and are highly microwavable. And the origin of the hot cross bun supposedly is years ago in the 1300s, the monks of St. Albans Abbey somewhere in England. They'd make sweet rolls to distribute to the poor who came to their door each day. And on Good Friday, they would bake a cross into the buns to signify the solemnity of the day. So they are, they're sticky buns with currants, fruit zest and allspice with a cross on top. Lovely, fresh from the oven, drizzled with icing with butter on them. And I already had mine with my first morning cup of coffee. So you just have to go out and get one. I think you can get them at the stores here. Used not to be able to when I first came here. And... Um, Today is a day of fasting and abstinence, and that always sounds so severe, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds like we're going to be gasping by the end of the day. Our stomachs are going to be rumbling, and we're going to be fainting all over the place. But it's to set the day apart from the ho-hum, humdrum of every day. And in the old days, Catholics didn't eat meat on any Friday, and they even fasted from food or drink three hours before receiving communion. But I'm not going to admit to remembering those days. And you know what I do on Meatless Fridays? I have tuna fish or cod or salmon. I really don't deprive myself. I enjoy my fish too. And on my abstinence days, I just enjoy getting on the scales the next day to see how many pounds I've lost. I know, I know, that's really bad, but... You know, unless you do something to make your day a little bit different and set it apart, then um, it doesn't really become a holy day, does it? And um, this weekend, I usually have my famous Easter Day party, which I have managed to sidle my way out of. Last year in London, I didn't have one. I just had my immediate family over for a little gathering. Um, my kids kept coming over to the house and saying, are we having our Easter party this year, Mum? And I look at them and they answer for me, no. And we are having dinner for anybody who's around. If anybody wants to come, we're having fried chicken, corn souffle, mashed potatoes with gravy. And then I'm still making my famous Italian wedding cake with the Cadbury eggs adorning it. Um, so anyone for dinner? Um, we had a man this week come and check our pool for, for a leak. Um, it, the plaster's got cracks and it has done for years. And um, my blue-eyed cowboy always used to think that because there was a crack in the pool that it meant that it was leaking. But actually, when we called the pool company who put our pool in, they said that really the plaster on top of the concrete is rather like fingernail polish on top of your fingernails. Um, if the fingernail polish cracks, it does not mean that your actual nail is damaged. And so... Um, we decided since we have the house on the market and it's got to be show ready all the time and that people are probably going to look at our pool and see all the cracks in it and immediately think what we thought, ah, it's leaking. We had to have somebody out to guarantee and write something that those cracks weren't leaking. So this guy came out 
And he has this company called Manly Maids. And no, he wasn't that kind of guy at all. The company was originally started, he and his brother, to help single women who had to deal with stuff around the house that they didn't have a clue what to do. So they would come in and they would, you know, sort of change, you know, light bulbs. No, that's that's really naughty. Actually, maybe wire plugs or something like that. And it became somehow or other evolved into this full-fledged pool service and they actually um, detect leaks from cracks in pool plaster. So what he did, he put a dry suit on, which means that he just put this enormous wetsuit on top of his clothes and he put his oxygen tank on. He went down to the bottom of our pool and poddled around down there, putting dye in all of the cracks and came back up and said, nope, not leaking, and wrote us a little certificate to say it wasn't leaking. So... Our pool leaketh not. And then I was thinking, you know, planting churches, is that the same as building nests? Because we have this little bird family who um, have come and moved into a nest that was built years and years and years ago on the guttering closest to one of my living room windows. And we had great fun watching the little chicks sticking their heads up and the parents coming and feeding them whatever they were feeding them. And towards the end of spring, I guess it was the very end of March, we had a very late violent storm and the little bird home was swept off the gutter onto the deck and killed the offspring on impact and my soft hearted tankson reattached the pretty little specimen of branch hominess to the gutter with glue or spackle or something immovable in the event of another freak storm wrecking the living quarters of the next avian residence well the next year and the next year there were no takers of this prime location rental property and the nest stood empty sitting as a doleful reminder of the ravages of Texas weather for years until this year. And a couple of pretty little songbirds moved in. They renovated and they've done a great job. It looks like a two-story nest now. It's twice the height that it was originally. And both of them were busy carting twigs, grasses and bits and bobs back from the field to the abode. Just watching them made me breathless because they'd you know, sort of fly off really fast. But now I believe they're feeding their chicks, but the sides of the nest are cunningly high and obscure even a glimpse of open beaks from the safety of the lounge window where I stand and watch them. Um, I was there this morning with my coffee and hot cross bun when I saw one of them fly in from the field, beak packed with delicious worms with hearts, and then he veered off back into the field again when he realized I was standing at the window. I had to move. Can't let those young birds starve, even on Good Friday. And, oh gosh, something else we won't be having this year is an Easter egg hunt. Boo-hoo. Mum and Dad are really falling down on their duties, aren't we? Well, we have a distraction that I can't focus on for a few days, okay? If the Christian Easter symbol is a lamb, then why do we have eggs everywhere? Okay, lambs don't lay eggs. Well, from a very early age, I'll always remember my parents dropping Easter eggs for my brother and I as we walked home from Mass in Germany. And uh, we'd run up and say, we've just found these. And they would send us back because they knew how many they dropped. And, you know, if they dropped 10 and we only bought like six, they'd tell us to go back and look again. And I think we were fooled. I don't think they, we thought they actually dropped the eggs. Rather like what Matt was saying, he didn't want to get that confusion. But I don't know. It was the bunny. It wasn't Jesus that dropped the eggs. Anyway, as we grew older, um, you know, the hunt kind of went into bigger areas that were um, in sort of wider spaced. And I don't know how they hit the eggs. I think they threw them or whatever. But I came to America 
And I discovered the plastic egg, and those were the best. We could fill them with our own treats, and we had a large garden. And because we didn't walk home from Mass, not because we didn't go to Mass, but because we always drove, we'd hide the eggs in different sections of the garden and give the children their baskets and go and collect their eggs in their assigned corner. And actually talking of baskets... All of those little Easter egg baskets are still up on the top shelf. You know what? There's nothing worse than living in a large house that used to be humming with children and pottering around homeschooling and stuff like that. And none of that's going on anymore. And it's really become very evident to us that market because we can do with uh, moving on and, and making our own memories and our own house and maybe having you know grandchildren perhaps now that i have a wedding on the on the horizon i can um, think about grandchildren and yesterday i was walking around the neighborhood i've taken to walking around the neighborhood again because you know walking around our little empty pond it's so depressing. I hate going round and round and round and round and round the same little space. I said to um, my cowboy, honestly, I could not be a track athlete. You know, I couldn't just run round a circle 50 times. It just just doesn't doesn't appeal to me at all. So I went for a long walk down my road until I couldn't go any further until I hit a main road and then backtracked down some of the more wooded and prettier alleyways. And on my way home, I was at the top of the road and I felt my iPod in my pocket. And I thought, oh gosh, there wasn't a picture. There wasn't anything worth taking a picture of. And a car drove past me and there was a dog looking out of the window of this car and all of a sudden it tumbled out of the car and was rolling down the road and the guy who was driving the car stopped the car and got out and was going, oh my God, oh my God, as he grabbed his dog's leash and checked him out. And I walked up to him, he was only young, and he said, did you see that? And I said, yes, my dog did that, they're amazing, but you probably need to go get him checked out. And he was a puppy German shepherd, but he probably weighed about 50 pounds. He came up and he licked me and uh, he, he just did this graceful tump out of the window and I didn't get a picture. I don't believe I didn't get a picture. But anyway, it looks as though I have come to the end of my show for this week. Have a truly blessed weekend. I know we're going to. And rejoice that he is risen. Hallelujah. And I'm getting the house ready for visitors. Lots of them coming in, I realize. I've got my brother and his two sons. And then my daughter, um, who doesn't live at home with us. She's coming in to stay. I think she's coming on Wednesday night. And then my other daughter's got a couple of friends who are staying the night after the wedding so there's going to be i don't know lots of people staying in our house and lots of people who don't know each other staying in our house so that will be fun too so pray for us for this coming week as we prepare to step outside our comfort zones um i'll be back next week with a wedding themed show same time same place friday at noon and i'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight our four children who are the result of that belief the hard-working staff at tokenet radio my guest this week matt rothaker pray for him too as they start their church and you my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Take care and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Do, do, do.
Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Talk.